Our reading for today is taken from the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 8, verses 1 down to 22. And of course, you can see it on page 788 as it is in the projector. If you need a Bible, you just raise your hand so that our ushers can come and give you a copy of it. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately he was cleansed with his, of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, See that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home, paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be whipping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done just as you have believed it would. And, Jesus, and his servant was healed at that moment. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her and she got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, Many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. This is the word of God. Thanks, Celine. If you can keep your Bibles open to chapter 8, we're starting this new series 
if you remember, we went through the Sermon on the Mount a while back. Um, that ends in chapter 7, and we're starting uh, a series that goes through 8 to 10. I mean, if you look at the structure, uh, we'll go through sort of... The, the Matthew organizes it. He does three miracles and then a response. Uh, three miracles and then response. Uh, three miracles and response again. And so uh, what we're going to do today is to look at the first three miracles, and these are healing miracles and how people respond um, to that. But let's pray first that God will speak to us um, through all of it. Lord, we thank you for your living word. We thank you that this is written for us. And Lord, would you now, pr- uh, would you now speak to us um, with these words? Um, we pray that it will shape the way that we look at the world. It will shape the way that we look at you. Um, it will shape the way that we look at ourselves, that m- we might respond faithfully to what you have uh, given to us, how you have spoken to us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know what the most, imp- uh, most expensive food you've ever eaten was. What's the most expensive food that you've ever eaten? Uh, when my parents went back to Korea a couple of years back, um, so they ministered uh, to churches in, back in Korea. When they, minister, uh, when they went back, moved back to Korea, one of the uh, old parishioners came and visited them bearing gifts for them. It was wild ginseng. And if you know Korean, if you know Koreans, you know how precious, how prized these are. These weren't foreign ginseng. These, these were Korean ginseng. Um, not only that, these were wild ginseng. Um, they were, uh, they cost, they were in this nice little box. They cost about 1,000 U.S. dollars. 1,000 for three little pieces. My parents had saved this box for me, for my visit, so we could each eat one. So I've eaten a $1,000 ginseng. I mean, technically $333 because I, were, I, I ate a third of it. And if you th- think about it, I, mean, I probably chewed about 20 times before I, 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 I swallowed. Each chew cost about more than 100, 100 Hong Kong dollars, right? One, two, three. It's just a crazy amount of money. Given the price, you would have thought, you would have thought that this, eating this ginseng would zap me with some sort of strength that, just, that, 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 that changes who I am. But I'm not sure if, we, if it did. But think about all the things that we eat for health. Think about all the things that we do for health. We eat all sorts of things for health, don't we? all sorts of weird things. I mean, I've been trying to research. Uh, some Japanese sometimes eat cod sperm, raw horse meat. Vietnamese apparently prize eating cobra hearts. Chinese used to eat shark fin. I mean, to the extent that it almost was going extinct. Why do we do this? Well, for health, right? To, for us to live a little bit longer, to battle sickness, to cure sickness. And it's understandable in some ways because sickness is one of the biggest problems that we face as people all around the world, right? Illness has been a huge problem. But there was a moment in history where actually you thought maybe things will be different. When Jesus walked on earth 2,000 years ago, and he healed everyone who came to, him, came to him, no matter what the illness was, no matter how serious it was. No matter who you were, everybody who came to Jesus was healed. They got a little glimpse of a world without sickness, world without illness. 
Once again, if you've joined us recently, um, we've uh, looked at uh, Sermon on the Mount a while back. And if you have your Bibles, open up to chapter 7, verses 28 to 29. This is how the Sermon on the Mount ends. Chapter 7, verses 28 to 29 in Matthew. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as teachers of the law. He preached one of the greatest sermons that people, even non-Christians, cite and remember. But they weren't amazed at how incisive his teaching was. Look at what they're amazed at. They're amazed at how he taught as one with authority. He taught with authority. The Old Testament, uh, uh, the scribes, scribes and teachers of the law, they explained the Bible. They said that this is what the Bible said. But actually, Jesus stood on that mountaintop like Moses. Actually, and it was like he was writing a new book, new ethics for his entire kingdom. He said, these are my rules, and these are my rules that applies to all of you. These are God's rules for you. My ethics are your ethics and God's ethics. That was what people were talking about, how Jesus taught with this new authority. And in this chapter, Jesus reveals a different kind of authority. He's a, he isn't a doctor, although he heals. It's not like he has the right medicine or he has the expertise. He heals in a completely different kind of way. See the absolute ease with which he heals. Heals people. Leprosy at the time was considered worse than death, and it's difficult to heal as death. You know, those who carried the disease looked repulsive. Repulsive, the bacteria infected their skin. It sort of became all blobby. It started eating. It starts eating uh, uh, not just the skin and the bones and nerves and things like that. Literally, people's body parts fell off with leprosy. There was no cure for 2,000 years, actually. The cure was found in 1950s, the first drugs administered, 1950s. But look at what Jesus does to heal this man in verse 3. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. Be clean. And he was immediately cured of leprosy. He also healed Peter's mother-in-law, some sort of fever with the same kind of touch. But the second story, the second healing story is one that highlights Jesus' authority. A centurion came to him about his servant who was paralyzed. We aren't sure exactly how or what kind, but he was suffering terribly, according to verse 7. And when Jesus asked whether he should go, the centurion says he doesn't deserve to have Jesus come into his house. But not only that, he says it doesn't, it's not necessary for you to come into my house. Look at what he says in verse 7. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. Just say the word. He says he understood what authority meant. As a centurion, when he spoke, he spoke with the authority of the emperor, right? When he spoke, his soldiers, when he said go, the soldiers went because he carried the authority of the emperor. He said jump. They said how high, right? And he was right. Jesus didn't even need to be there with the servant who was sick, who was paralyzed, Jesus didn't even need to touch him with words, with words of away from him, right? He, he spoke and the servant was healed, verse 13, that very moment. I wonder if you see what the centurion recognized. 
There is a difference between power and authority. And Jesus had authority, not mere power over the disease. Think about power. Power is uh, 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 defeated by stronger power. I remember seeing these shamans in my neighborhood growing up in Korea in the early 80s. Like Chinese, many Koreans believe that diseases were were, um, uh, caused by evil spirits. And so what they did when somebody got sick and they couldn't cure, they called these shamans to come and they did elaborate dance and these rituals. It was a struggle, but the idea is that the shamans were greater power than the disease or these evil spirits. And there was this struggle. And after the struggle, if they win, they're, they're, they're healed. But that's not what Jesus does with these diseases. There is no struggle. There is no fight. There isn't even sort of, you know, the cure, um, the antibacterial medicine going in and fighting against bacteria. That's not how he heals. He doesn't even need to touch. He doesn't need to because he had absolute control over every single cell of this man's body, even away from him, apart from him. Every single virus and bacteria or whatever that caused the disease, Jesus could command it commanded and they would obey that's what they did the leprosy obeyed his body obeyed he was healed instantly because he had absolute authority over over his health over people's health and look at what he does right with that absolute authority he heals everybody he is he's compassionate he heals everybody who comes to him Look at how he healed the leper. He doesn't just heal. Look, remember, we just established that he doesn't actually need to touch anybody to heal. But look what he does with this leper. He touches him. Remember, no one is supposed to touch a leper. It's a Jewish rule. If you touch something that is dead and lepers were considered living dead, you were ritually unclean. And so nobody dared to touch the, uh, the lepers. In fact, this man, this poor man, probably hasn't been touched for maybe weeks, months, maybe for years. So when Jesus has compassion on him, when Jesus heals him, he doesn't just say, be well, right? He goes and he touches this man. It was probably the first touch that he felt in a long, long time. The first touch that he feels is from our Lord Jesus. And Jesus saying, I love you. I want to not just heal you, but I want you to know that I love you. He has that compassion. And did you also notice how he was willing, how, how willing he was to heal the Roman uh, centurion servant? Right? When he comes and tells him about his servant, he doesn't ask any questions. He simply says, shall I come? He's ready to go. He's ready. I mean, think about that. In this tense political climate, right? Back then, it was tense. This, these were the occupiers. The Roman soldiers were the occupiers of the Israelites. And it's this Roman centurion who comes to him and says, my servant is sick. Well, Jesus doesn't care who he is. He's willing to heal this man. He's willing to go and heal. Why? Because he's compassionate. He's willing to heal everybody. Verse 16 says he basically healed everybody who came to him. Friends, Jesus is just as authoritative over all our bodies, over all our sickness, over every cell and living thing here on earth, just as he was 2,000 years ago, as he is now. He he has absolute control over everybody's here. And not only that, he is just as compassionate. 
So if you're sick, bring it to Christ. There are members here who are suffering from cancer, who are struggling. Alzheimer's, rheumatism, and so on. Let's ask God to heal them. Let's bring them to God in prayer and ask, God, in your mercy, Lord, if you're willing, please heal them. Please be merciful towards them. Please hear our cries. Perhaps God will, in his compassion, hear our cries. He's more than able. So let's pray. But not only that, sorry, not yet. <laughs> we'll pray later on together. <laughs> but, but even in this passage where Jesus heals, he shows, we see that healing wasn't his main mission. That's not what he came to do. There are all sorts of ways that this passage hints at a greater mission that Jesus uh, came to carry out. Look back at what the leper asks for, right? He doesn't say, Lord, please heal me. He says, Lord, if you're willing, verse 2, you can make me clean. You can make me clean. I don't have time to go into this very much, but the Old Testament category of clean and uncleanness, isn't, it, it's not so much to do with sin, but it, is, it has to do with death. It's a category of death. Things that are touched by death were considered unclean. So molds, you know, molds, they, they, they grow on dead things, things that are dying, decaying, right? Uh, skin disease, bodily fluids were all associated with death. And since God is God of life, we could not approach God tainted by death. And of course, Jesus grants his request. He doesn't just heal the man, he says, be clean. He becomes clean. He, he gives life to the man. And there's a little bit of a hint there, isn't it? Jesus is there to reverse the course of death. He's, he's, he's doing something much more serious. He's, he's come to bring life, change the whole world with it. Stay with me and see what he says then to the leper after he heals him. Right? Verse 4, he tells him not to tell anyone about the healing that he just received. And that would be really puzzling, isn't it? If, if his main mission was to heal as many people as possible, right? why would he forbid this man who was just healed to go out and tell people? But you see, that's not, that wasn't his main mission. In fact, getting swamped by all these sick people actually might hinder his mission. Jesus came to do much more than be a miracle worker. He didn't come just to heal a few people or thousands of people. He came to do much more. And the biggest hint that explains why Jesus came is in verse 17, where Matthew quotes from Isaiah 53, verse 4. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. Matthew quotes from this famous chapter in Isaiah to tell us that Jesus, the Messiah, would heal. All right? The Messiah is supposed to heal. But, I don't know if you know this, but any time the New Testament quotes from the Old Testament, it assumes that, not just that little passage, but it assumes that you know the entire passage. And you know what Isaiah 53 is about. Many of you do. It's about, it's, it's about the coming of the Messiah. It's about how the Messiah would suffer and how his suffering would uh, bring uh, freedom and goodness to the people of God. So Matthew quoted from Isaiah 53, verse 4, but the very next verse, verse 5, reads like this. 
but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. I see, diseases are connected to sin in some sense. I don't mean that you know, when uh, you get sick, it's because God is punishing you for some sin that you've just committed. I don't mean that. But there was no cold, there was no cancer, there was no leprosy in God's perfect world. In the world that God created, there was no sickness. And when sin entered, sickness and death entered it as well. You see, sin is the root cause of all the sickness there is in this world. And that's what Jesus came to deal with. Jesus came to be pierced for our transgressions, to be crushed for our iniquities, to be punished for us. He became our substitute that we might then receive what he deserves, a body that is not tainted by death, the body that, is, that will be eternal, a world that has no trace of sin, disease, mourning, sadness, sadness and death. That's what he came to do. He came to give us a whole new world, whole new bodies and whole new world with him. Friends, you know, when people fall sick, we should pray for their healing because it's miserable to be sick, right? I mean, a few weeks back, I think three weeks back, I had food poisoning. In the middle of the night, I was just up by myself puking and yeah, I don't want to describe more in detail, but <laughs> the only thing, the only thing that prevented me from saying the prayer, Lord, take me now, <laughs> it's just a little food poisoning for one day. The only thing that, 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 that prevented me from saying such a prayer was, like, I was thinking of Barney, and I was thinking of Mary, and I was like, oh, that's, yeah, that's not a good prayer to say right now. It's miserable to be sick, and we should bring people with if we're loving people we should bring the sick people among us with god's compassion to god uh, to god and say ask for god's healing and in his mercy he might heal them but he might not why not because even if god made them well that day as long as we live in the sinful bodies as long as we live in this world that is filled tainted with death they will get sick again. We will all die again. We will all die in this present world. But here's the good news. Jesus was pierced for our... Uh, he was pierced. He was crushed and he was punished for us. And because he died our death and because he rose again, here's the promise, here's the good news. He will heal all of us. He will bring us to a world where there is no more sickness and death. Your prayers will be answered, if not now, back when Jesus, in the future when Jesus comes back. That is the good news that Jesus promises. That's the good news that we can hold on to. That's the good news. That's the hope that we can bring to the world about us. That's why he came. And what a sight, though. It must have been to see Jesus healing all these people, everybody who came to him, and without even understanding what, who Jesus was really. People came to follow him. He was so inspiring, wasn't he? 
Verse 19, a teacher of the law comes saying, I will follow you wherever you go. A scribe was part of the ruling class. They were the educated. These weren't sort of college freshmen. These were professors. Right? And you would think that Jesus would be more encouraging for people like this. But look at what Jesus says in verse 18. Foxes have holes, I mean, dens and birds of nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He says, you have no idea what you're asking when you say you want to follow me. Maybe you think there's possibility of fame, wealth, influence, maybe comfort at the very least if you become my disciples. But no, even animals have it better than me, he says. I have no home. I have no home I, each night. I don't know where I'm going to sleep. Are you really willing to follow me? He asks. He looks at the man's motive and says, you should go home because what you want, I, I don't promise to give. Can we examine our, our hearts? Our hearts and see why we say, we, why we follow Jesus. What we want from Jesus. Many of us don't think we're like this teacher of the law. We follow Jesus, we say, because we love Jesus. But most of the times, if we're honest, we still live for ourselves. Think about all the things that we pray for so that we can live a little longer here on earth, so we can live prosperously, right? So our lives will be prosperous. Uh, We pray for our children to get into a good school and for us to get better jobs and for our Lord would provide for us so that we might have security, so we might have a home while following a man who did not have a home. Jesus says, though, that's not what I promised. That's not what I promise you. You will get something much greater, but that's not what I promise. Comfort, wealth, fame. Friends, We follow a king who gave up his comfort so that we could have life, so he could minister to us. He gave up his rights so that we might prosper, that he could serve us. And his kingdom is advanced when his followers are like him. When we give up our rights, when we give up our comfort, when we start serving people, when we start giving up to follow Jesus, will we do that? The second aspiring disciple came and committed himself in this way, verse 21. Lord, I'll follow you, implied, right? But first, let me go and bury my father. I don't think this means that his father had passed away, that recently died, then he needs to do the funeral. That's not, I don't think, what he means. If he did, if he died, then as a Jewish man, as a good Jewish man, he wouldn't be there with Jesus. He is saying, though, Jesus, I see the great man that you are, and I want to follow you, but first, let me take care of my father. Let me just wait until my father passes away. Then I'll come and I'll give you my all. And we do this, don't we, all the time. How many of us are trying to make such a deal with Jesus? Lord, I'm a little bit busy right now. <laughs> or I, I'm, I'm, I'm occupied with these things. First, let me take care of this, and then I'll give you my all. And then I'll fir- uh, fully follow you. Maybe it's, once again, school or, you know, until I make partner or until I'm more secure, I have a house that I don't have to worry about or uh, until I find a spouse. Let me be done with these things first and then I'll c- 
commit myself fully and completely to you? Of course, Jesus says, no. Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. There cannot be anything that comes between him and you, he says. Because following Jesus, remember, is entering into his kingdom. Think about what kingdom means. Entering his kingdom means that you cannot, you cannot any longer be your own king. It's saying that I am going to abandon my right to rule over my life. I'm going to abandon my rights to demand things from you. I'm going to enter into your kingship and do whatever you say as my king. That's what entering the kingdom of God means. That's what following Jesus means. No conditions, no ifs and buts. St. Augustine prayed this prayer before he became a Christian. Lord, make me good, but not yet. Make me chaste, but not yet. And that's how we distinguish a Christian from a non-Christian. For the Christian, there is no condition. There is no first, let me do this. First, no, the, the not yet. And in Hong Kong, I want to challenge this notion of living for our families. This is exactly what Jesus is addressing, right? Friends, if your family still comes before Christ, then you're still your own king. You want to live your life your own way. But here's the good news. Here's the secret. The good news is that as you give your life to Jesus, as you give your family to Jesus, he rules over your family much better than you can. He will bring uh, harmony and peace and all these things that you are looking for, you're really looking for, because he's a good king. Good king with all that authority who serves you, who loves you and your family more than you love them yourself. So we see these two disciples um, who want to follow Jesus, but we can't. We can't be too hard on these guys because, you know, the time wasn't there yet. They couldn't have followed Jesus in this way because they only knew Jesus as a wonderful teacher a mighty healer. Friends, we have no excuse. We have no excuse because we know Jesus much better. We know that Jesus had absolute authority over all of us, over all human beings, every cell, every living thing here on earth. With that absolute authority, he didn't try to live a little longer here on earth. He didn't care for his health. He didn't use it to buy a house for himself. With that authority, he went to the cross to pay for our sins. But he rose again. And he will come again to bring us to himself. And if you haven't done so yet, give your life to him. You're not going to find any better boss, any better authority over your life than Jesus. Commit to following him without any ifs or buts. But for many of us, if you're like me, we say that we follow Jesus, but there are all sorts of things that we hold back, we hide from God right now and say, "Uh, not yet. Let's give those to him as well. Let's give him and crown him as our king. Because if we do, if we follow this king in this way, he doesn't just give us little health. He gives us new bodies. New bodies that's 
fit for this new creation, creation that will last an eternity. That's what he promises. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you. Lord, we want to uh, give our lives to you. Lord, would you help us? We want to believe, help our unbelief. And Lord, we pray that we'll be disciples who know your absolute authority and see uh, your goodness and your absolute power over the whole universe. Help us to be people who see your goodness and how you lay down your life for us. Help us to see the hope that you have, uh, uh, you, you have brought upon this world. And help us to be people who follow you, the risen King. And Lord, we do pray, because we love our brothers and sisters here, we do pray for those who are sick. Lord, we pray for Sarah, we pray for Phyllis, we pray for Anita, we pray for the, those around us who, uh, whose, whose bodies are plagued with, with, with illness. Lord, would you heal them? Would you, in your mercy, heal them? But Lord, help them, even right now, and help us, all of us, not to just look at this, I look to this world, but look to the new world that you are bringing. Help us to have that hope in you. We thank you that you are creating a new world for us. Lord, help us not to forget that. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.